Well, hello. Welcome to Between the Lines Recovery. I'm Jay Lind, and I'll be your host. Yeah, you heard that right. I have done some rebranding in order to make the subject matter of the podcast a little clearer to anyone who might be poking around trying to find a podcast about addiction and recovery on any of the many listening platforms where we're available. Also, I kind of like the sound of it, Between the Lines Recovery. It feels very professional. Anyway, this episode uh, is episode 27, and I'm happy to report that human beings are now listening to us in 18 different countries. So I would like to take this moment to officially welcome Singapore to the BTL community. I hope you keep coming back, Singapore, and tell all your friends. Speaking of coming back, please remember to rate, review, and follow Between the Lines Recovery on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, blah 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 all of the different platforms. Take a second. Actually, it takes less than five seconds to scroll down the page and click those five stars. And we can really use your help. The more people who rate the podcast, the more often it pops up in the searches, etc. You know how it works. And if you want to do a little something extra to help support my mission to destigmatize addiction and to spread kindness, positivity, and hope, please click the support this podcast link at the end of the episode notes. Just scroll down right past the description of the episode and give it a click. This will give you the opportunity to help me maintain the quality and consistency of the podcast by making just a small monthly contribution, like super small. You have three options, 99 cents a month, that's really an option. $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month. Just decide how much you think I'm worth as a human being. I know you have a number in your head. Seriously, I know times are tough out there. The struggle is real. But a few more small contributions from those of you who can swing it without breaking the bank will really help Between the Lines Recovery continue on its current trajectory. So, thanks in advance to anyone who finds it in their heart to part with some of their hard-earned money to help us out. And I won't judge you if you don't. How could I? I've been listening to NPR for free for about 30 years. And of course, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast or about my book, or maybe if you'd like to share your recovery story, on a future episode, please drop me a note at Between the Lines Memoir at gmail.com. But more important than anything else, thank you all for listening today. This episode includes the second installment of the award winning segment, Gimme Mo. And I will be interviewing Ryan, an addict in early recovery. But before we get to either of those things, this is the good news. 
The good news is brought to you by OnStage, a theater outreach and audience development program that works in collaboration with several colleges in and around the equally beautiful cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. OnStage uses teaching artists to facilitate in-class discussions about relevant social, political, and cultural topics that bubble up in plays currently running in local theaters. What a great and worthwhile mission it is. If you want to learn more about OnStage, or if you want to make a donation to the cause, check them out at onstagemn.org. That's onstagemn.org. The good news story this week comes from, what a coincidence, Minnesota. We have lots of listeners in Minnesota, so I'm obviously catering to them. Um, but if you live in Connecticut and you want me to, you know, cater to you, send me a good news story. Anyway, the good news this week arrives via the Star Tribune, where it was reported that the governor made it official. Starting this week, listen up kids, school meals will be free for all public school and charter school students in the whole state of Minnesota. How great is that? In related news, Minnesota has become a finalist to become the next Scandinavian country. Right now they're neck and neck with New Zealand, but we shall see. That was the good news. Now let's see what Mo has to say. All right, uh, here we are back with the second installment of Kimmy Mo. Welcome back, Mo. How are you feeling today? Doing really well, thanks. How about yourself? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. What are you going to talk about today? Um, I, I just recently uh, talked with a friend from high school in my early 20s, and uh, he found out about my sobriety. So I'm going to kind of go... Uh, with the subject of telling people about sobriety from the beginning and then as your months go by. All right. Let it flow. Yeah, man. So, like I said, um, I just came across my best friend from high school. Um, the first person I ever drank with. And uh, he heard about my sobriety through some other friends and uh, coincidentally through this podcast and uh, I just recently came across my 18 month sobriety dates that was big for me 18 months is big that's uh, they say it takes about 18 months for your brain to heal itself physically from all the drinking and alcohol um, so it was heavy on my mind it was big on my mind I talked a lot of, about it with my inner circle my family and close friends and um, my sponsor in AA and also in my AA meetings. And it was such a surprise to wake up to a text from my old friend saying, you know, I never knew, I had no idea uh, you had such a problem and you were struggling, And um, but I'm really proud of you. It's so great. Uh, a lot of compliments about the podcast and the first Gimme Mo appearance. And uh, it really got me thinking about you know telling people about your sobriety um because in the beginning 
obviously me, like everyone else, I was really anxious to tell everyone, hey, I'm changing, I'm doing this. You know, you really want to tell everyone uh, about being sober, but it's kind of a, a, a thin ice conversation. You know, you, you got to watch out what you're doing because, you know, relapse is so easy. It's so easy to drink again, especially right in the beginning. Um, when I got sober, of course, I was really anxious to tell people about, you know, I'm changing my ways. I want to be sober and be healthy. And um, I got to do this for myself. And um, But I really didn't want to go around telling everybody about that because I was afraid of relapsing. And, you know, I was really afraid that I would tell certain friends or certain drinking buddies or, you know, drinking groups that I was a part of that, you know, I'm getting sober and they would roll their eyes at me and say, yeah, right. A lot of it stemmed from what they would think about me saying that. And uh, I was more cautious. You know, I definitely told the closest people to me, the people in my family and people that really meant a lot to me. Um, but it was limited. It was only a handful of people. I think that was a good way to be, even though telling people and talking about it provides an amount of accountability that, you know, once I've told people that I didn't want to relapse, I want, it made me a little bit more strong because I didn't want to have to tell them, yeah, I relapsed and I, uh, I drank again, I'm back drinking. and. Thankfully that hasn't happened and maybe it is because of the path I've taken. I mean, because I started going to AA every day in the beginning, I had a lot of people to talk about being sober with. And uh, they were super supportive, obviously, because they want to see you succeed. And that's why I think AA is a great way of, of getting sober. It's not the only way, but it's a great way to get sober because you're surrounded by people trying for the same thing then it comes around time to start telling other people in your life and i guess when you're seeing people in your social life daily like if you're crossing paths with um old friends because you still live close to each other or um, you're seeing them because you know whether it's work or something the subject is definitely going to come up because you're going to get asked to go out for drinks or you're going to get asked to go to dinner or anything like that. And then, then you know, you might be more apt to talk about it in that, that kind of environment. But all my friends, you know, back in Chicago, oh, that's where I grew up. That's where I was. That was my drinking town. Um, there, a lot of my friends are still there. There's a lot of friends from high school and college that live around the country that I haven't talked about it with. I haven't. I didn't race to social media and put it out there that I'm sober. It's to me, getting sober is not something to brag about. It's it is something that people are proud of you for doing because whether you believe it or not, they know you have a problem. Whether they've told you or not, they know that you probably are drinking too much and you could stand to cut back if not quit completely. And once you do tell them, everybody I've told everybody has been super supportive and so happy for me and nothing but compliments and pats on the back and you know virtual hugs and it's an amazing feeling to get that it really helps me with um wanting to be sober and wanting to keep this journey going and 
I'm doing new things with people I've been friends with forever. And it's something to know that's coming. It's part of the promises that people are going to tell you that you're going to get by starting your sober journey. Good luck. Keep it up. Be strong. I just, I love to be able to share my story with everybody. So really appreciate Jay and what he does. Uh, it's all about giving back. And, and this is the best way I can give back um, is just to share what I've been through. And um, sharing is caring. So my guest today is Ryan. Ryan's sitting right here in front of me in the Between the Lines recovery basement, I mean, garden apartment recording studio. And I can't tell you how happy I am to see him. Ryan is a former student of mine, but I haven't seen him since 2008. I had the fortune or maybe misfortune of teaching Ryan in his very last semester of high school. And I bet I remember Ryan a lot better than he remembers me. And that's because I suspect that Ryan was pretty high nearly every single day back then. And it was usually pretty obvious. And uh, if you didn't know for sure, the huge bag of Cheetos or Skittles or something usually usually gave him away. Uh, anyway, I took a special interest in Ryan back then for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, his much, much older sister just happened to be a good friend of mine who I had known since I was 15 years old. But I also noticed a few things in Ryan that reminded me of myself at that age. And that is more bad than good. I wanted to do something to save Ryan from making some of the same mistakes I made back then. And I do remember having a few one-on-one -on -one chats with him about my concerns. But by the end of the year, I couldn't help feeling that it was a classic too little too late situation. But... With a little love from one of his sister's old friends, he did manage to pass my class, and he graduated. <laughs> I had a sinking feeling that college wasn't going to help Ryan turn things around. And there was a part of me that felt guilty for not spinning him around a few times and pointing him in a new direction while I had the chance. Well, let's see what Ryan has been up to for the last 15 years. Let me introduce you to Ryan. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Thanks for having me, Jay. It's my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Um, so I, I think we should just start right from the beginning. Um, take us through like your journey with drugs and alcohol. Where did it start? Uh, how did it get to be a problem? Uh, start wherever you want and, and uh, share as much as you feel comfortable with. Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. When it all started, well, in about eighth grade or you know high school time, I experienced some some deep pain that um, um, kind of dictated my life for for the next I'd say you know 10 10 15 years um, now I'm not going to go into what that pain was but just know it was um, you know a bit uh, life-shattering you know it uh, kind of took away some of my um, took away the moment and I was from then on out I was choosing to run away and, and to hide and uh, now I, I didn't get involved with drugs in the um, you know middle school age but as I got into high school you know I started smoking weed 
And um, now there's that talk of weed is this gateway drug. I, I don't necessarily believe it, but um, let's just say that um, weed, weed was the start for me to escape. And um, yeah, I just, I just um, escaped through weed. I escaped through um, humor. A lot of my, I was very funny and, and goofy and um, I was always kind of, that was, that was my way of being in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, as high school went along and developed, I got into drinking alcohol, you know. Um, That's the real gateway drug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. no, honestly, that, yeah. that it yeah. truly is. And, uh, I, you know, I'd say maybe I was a sophomore or something, you know, uh, going to a party, trying to fit in and um, do that sort of thing, you know. Um, and then alcohol became another way for me to escape and, and to feel like myself again, even though I was, <clears throat> excuse me, even though I was still escaping, mm -hmm. you know, I, 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 man, you know, there would be a certain point where, um, I would drink too much and this monster inside me, which is, which is mm -hmm. unleash itself. Right. The things um, that you're the escaping from sort of come out sometimes with exactly. drinking, especially I think that's old, you know, in vino veritas in wine, there's truth that sometimes you drink enough. That whatever you've been pushing down in there mm -hmm. starts finding its way out. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like uh, it's not a good time usually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like some people say, like you know, when you start drinking, then the truth comes out. Yeah, right. right. That's what you're saying. Um, so yeah, I I had many times where that that um, monster of me came out, mm -hmm. and let me tell you, it wasn't it wasn't a good time. No. It wasn't a good time for me. It wasn't a good time for people that I was around um, and you know I, I wholeheartedly apologize to you know all those people who had to witness that and, yeah. and had to um, be strong in those moments that I was not I was not strong mm -hmm. um, and then let's see in high school I uh, I'd say maybe junior year a buddy of mine were at a party, um, uh, an Oak Park party, you know, mm -hmm. those were always fun, more fun than the River Forest ones. That's for sure. Yeah. We can agree on that. <laughs> um, and I drove my mom's car there. And so I, I drove my mom's car home mm -hmm. and I was wasted. Yeah. And uh, a buddy of mine, my best friend at the time, um, he... He rode along with me uh, and we were going to go to McDonald's. That was the plan. But uh, we ended up on Bonnie Bray near uh, Priory. Uh -huh. and if you know anything about River Forest, that's yeah. not where McDonald's is. No, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and right then and there, I uh, we got pulled over uh, by the police. Mm -hmm. It was about you know, 12.05 a.m. the next day. Yeah. And, um, you know, they... they they asked me if I've had anything to drink, and I was very honest. I said, yes, I have. Mm -hmm. you know, I, mm -hmm. I said, uh, they said, do you have anything on you? I said, yeah, yeah. I, I, I whipped out this weed. <laughs> I gave him the weed. 
I was, you know, looked in the middle console. I was like, oh, yeah, here's a beer. And gave it to him. And, um, but that didn't get me off the hook. I still, no, got, I still got arrested. Yeah. I had to go to, uh, you know, a holding cell or yeah. a forest. Uh, the worst part was probably having to call my parents at uh, that time and say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm here with the police. Yep. I messed up. <laughs> yep. In your car. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and in your car is how I found it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've had to make a few of those phone calls. Right. Yeah. They're tough calls. Mm-hmm. Man. They're tough calls. Um, so that's that was kind of the big thing in high school, you know, getting um, getting charged with the DUI. Yeah. I, um, I got extremely lucky. Uh, the, the police filed it on the wrong day, so <laughs> I, I didn't get charged with the DUI, but it still it still had its major effect in yeah. my life. You uh-huh. know? Um, and then I went to college, and I, I I don't know how I got accepted into the University of Dayton. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I can tell you to this day, I wasn't... Um, Although, you know, you heard earlier that Lynn passed me in his class. I, I don't know how. I don't know how. Um, you know, that's that's one of the things that I noticed. So my, I got into a really good school, too. I went to University of Wisconsin. But if you looked at my transcripts in high school, you would just see a, like a, a straight arrow going down. Like, I don't know how. Like, maybe the end product, like the GPA didn't look bad. But if you saw the, the, the pattern, it was evolving, coming yeah. out there. Like, you know, it's pretty clear I wasn't going anywhere. Um, luckily, you know, and then I didn't for a little while in college before I found teaching and then I, I went, the arrow started pointing back up again, but yeah, it was right. a bad investment in my opinion, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, I think, I think things have changed now. It's a little harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely, uh, <laughs> safe to say they, they, uh, saw something beyond the, beyond the paper. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 So what um, happened once you, once you got to school? Yeah. So I, I another well, party school too, Dayton, like Wisconsin, mm-hmm. both two party schools, places where, uh, you know, 18 year old kids like us were what, like I was at that age, you were at that age, another dangerous uh, thing. Like you're not going mm-hmm. to like, you know, Cornell or whatever. University sure. of Chicago was the bottom of the party school. I remember. Oh yeah. That, uh, and Wisconsin used to get number one. Uh, so those are bad places to go if you are already making bad decisions and mm-hmm. showing reckless mm-hmm. behavior. So uh, what happened to Dayton? Yeah. I will tell you <laughs> lots of stuff. Um, you know, when I had visited prior, I had learned that you could drink pretty much everywhere uh, as long as you were on the grass. You stepped on the sidewalk, well, <laughs> no. you, you, you could get arrested or you could get caught, right? right. Well, I thought, man, that is great. <laughs> it so, sounds like a great this, law. This is going to be a kick-ass yeah. time, you know? Uh-huh. And that was the problem. Um, I, I wasn't too focused on academics and I wasn't too focused just in general. You know, I was still running from pain. Um, I was just indulging in pain. Uh, I, I, I was addicted to pain. Um, so yeah, Dayton comes along and, um, you know, I get there and I'm just having the time of my life. I'm always high, you know, nothing, never coming down. Um, I meet some buddies on my floor. Uh, I meet another buddy who um, also had a bit of trouble with drugs and stuff. And, you know, we, we clicked. We clicked mm-hmm. over that pain. And he's still one of my friends to this day. Uh, he's he's recovering as well. That's good. Um, but, yeah, I, I Dayton, I got in trouble countless times. Um, 
I got caught drinking. Um, yeah, on the um, sidewalk. Oh, yeah. I went to a, a, a couple of frat initiations. Which oh, yeah. That's really my vibe. But, <laughs> no. um, I, uh, I had fallen on my skateboard at Cats. You know, uh-huh. And I'm, I, I can't remember which sorority. Or, oh, no, that's right. Uh, <laughs> which returning I was, I was, you know, at a party at. And this kid punches me in the face. He goes, oh, I apologize. I thought you were the kid with the red cast. Oh, <laughs> I had a white cast. Oh, geez. So, oh, no, no. And then, you know, I got in trouble there for <laughs> fighting. Um, the next one, I got in trouble for smoking in my dorm. Um, and then after that, I had to talk to the school psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Or psychologist. Psychologist, right. Right. And, you know, she was one of those people you know bless her soul but um she was really to the book you know she uh she heard what i had to say and uh, i must have said something like oh i, I smoked to uh, relieve relieve my pain uh-huh. and she thought i was addicted right yeah then there. yeah she said if you want to continue here at university of dayton you got to go to rehab mm-hmm. so i would uh, go to class and at the end of my uh, class days, I would walk over to um, the rehab at, right. in in the city of Dayton, Ohio. So it's outpatient rehab, but it's not just students, right? Yeah, it was. Right. It was they were providing service to the whole city of Dayton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which um, so different than the yeah, the, it's a little different than, than you know, hey, you're <laughs> a college kid and you've just been caught drinking several times. Yeah, and, you know, um, <laughs> it wasn't as exactly a uh, friendly college scene, you know <laughs> yeah. I, I get there and there's you know some some hardcore yes meth and yeah. uh, heroin and, i'm guessing yes. yeah, oh, yeah yeah um and not that um and i'm guessing you just probably weren't ready anyway exactly exactly <laughs> you, yeah you, that's because you had to go exactly and you know and you're young you know i was in rehab with the yeah in Chicago and in Minnesota with some, some kids that were like 19, 20 years old. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a little part of them was like, yeah, I think I probably got a problem, but really they're, they're going because their parents made them go to school, made them go, exactly. some court made them go exactly. and they were going to stay there until they got out and then they could get back on mm-hmm. whatever they were doing. You know? mm-hmm. Exactly. That was the whole vibe. And I, I ended up talking to my counselor. Her name was Penny. She was, she was a beautiful soul. And, um, I said, hey, Penny, I'm, I'm just a college kid. I'm, you know, I'm partying my ass off. I, I don't think I have a problem. Uh, she let me go early um, because just the energy wasn't really there. Yeah. And I, I still wasn't able to receive it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was still blocked off. Um, and then, you know, I get back from rehab each day and, man, it just makes me want to party more. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people do that. They say with AA too, like when they first, like people who don't go to rehab, they start going to AA and they say it makes them want to drink. Right, <laughs> they just right. go home and yeah. drink from the meetings. If you're not ready, that's what it'll do. Right. Oh, exactly. That's fucking terrible. Exactly. I would start exactly. drinking again. Yeah. 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 That, the reason, like you said, <laughs> I was inclined to party more because I wasn't able to receive yeah. anything. Yeah. You know, I yep. was still up in my head. I was still running away, you know, um, but another time I, I, uh, got caught drinking and that was the last straw, right? Mm-hmm. I, I had to, again, make another call to my parents and <laughs> yep. let me tell you, let me just, uh, <laughs> it is, it is not getting in trouble. It was, 
that hurts the most. It's it's calling my parents, who are two beautiful people. And yes. They, they've given their life so that I can have my beautiful life. And yeah. here I am, you know. Blowing it. Blowing it. Over and over again. Yeah. Just That's time and time again. Yep. Right. Exact oh, same. Another call from Ryan. Oh, that's, that's the same feeling I had. Like, but then you have guilt, like that guilt and shame built up in me. And I, that's the same story. My parents were great doing everything they can. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they're not because I'm screwing right. up over right. and over. And I know that that's part of what they're thinking. And they're thinking, well, what, where did we go wrong or whatever? And that guilt stayed with me because I made a lot of those phone calls. Um, you know, and maybe at the time I, did, I didn't. Uh, act like I felt guilty, but I was deep. That added to some more pain. That guilt and shame was then something that I used drugs over later mm-hmm. about making, you know, which is part of what makes it so, you know, makes none of it makes sense. Addiction, like the bad consequences made you do it more. Right. Right. Which makes more guilt and shame, you know, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But anyway, I know what you're, what you're oh, feeling okay. on those phone calls when you have two super parents who have nothing to do with this, man. It's not, this, the, the, no matter what they did, you would have ended up there. Said, well said. Uh, yeah, so I had to call him, and this time I wasn't with the police, but I was with the vice president of the <laughs> University of Dayton. Yes. Right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm climbing the ladder of, <laughs> of uh, yeah. uh, you know, disrespect. You're trying to meet and, the high people. And, um, just not the places you no. wish to go, no. right? Um, but that was just a reflection of how much pain I had inside of me, right? I, uh, had so much pain that I, I just didn't know what to do with. And I, and I went to alcohol and I went to weed and I went to, you know, just trying to fit in. And, um, uh, later on, like I am right now is, is, is there's no need to, um, take it on yourself. You mm-hmm. know, there's, uh, like you and I both know and anyone in this, in this state that, there's millions of people going through the same thing. That's right. Um, and it takes, you know, courage. It does take courage and um, just a sense of bravery to reach out and say, hey, I need I need help. Right. You know? uh, so what was it eventually? I know you did, so it wasn't rehab. Then you went on to do something a little unique to, sure. to uh, sort of get you where you are today. So talk to us about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after the you know years of school and being kicked out, and um, I went on after Dayton to get a degree in therapeutic recreation, which is basically helping people with um, different needs through recreation, mm-hmm. um, and that always came from just the great heart I've always had, um, even even before I. Um, started running away and, and, mm-hmm. and before I um, really had uh, intense pain. Um, and after I, after I got that degree, uh, you know, I did some work. I did about two years of work uh, at different park districts and whatnot. Sure. Uh, but I still, I still was drinking and I still was um, avoiding pain, you know. I still had a bit in me, mm-hmm. right? That I hadn't found um, a way to healthily, uh, a way to bring it out in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, a few more incidents happened and happened where that monster came out and 
man, I was in some really, really shitty spots. Mm-hmm. And after maybe one or two of those instances, I said, this, this is enough. I, I can't, um, one, I can't keep hurting myself. Yeah. Two, when you hurt yourself, you in- inevitably hurt other people. Um, so one, I have to stop hurting myself. I have to start loving myself. Two, I have to stop hurting other people. So um, I've always been, I shouldn't say always, but uh, you know, for the past 10 years of my life, I've been really interested in Eastern philosophy. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my buddies was living in Guatemala for about you know three years. And you know, most people from the Western you know, if you have that Western viewpoint, it's like, what is that guy doing out there? Is he, is he nuts? <laughs> right. Did he lose his mind? Right. No, he didn't. You know, he's just following his heart. Um, so, you know, I went out to Guatemala and uh, I thought I would do my own rehab out there. Right. right. Um, even though there is, you know, there's alcohol out there. There's right. probably more drugs out there than in my you know, my little community, but, um, yeah, I thought I would do my own rehab out there, uh, just to be surrounded by nature, to be surrounded by, um, this energy vortex, so to speak, where, uh, people out there seem to be more inclined to, um, just loving and and unconditional love and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, not so much this, um, Western viewpoint of, um, fear and hatred and uh kind of good stuff exactly exactly exactly. (laughs) and you know maybe people going through the same thing i'm going through right now um so i spent i had planned to spend three months out there and then three months came around and i said you know what i'm loving it out here i i'm gonna uh stay an extra couple Mm -hmm. months Mm -hmm. i stayed for my 33rd birthday um and, you know, my parents never thought I was coming home. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, but the love out there and, and just um, to be surrounded by nature. Mm-hmm. You know, I was around one of the most beautiful and deepest lakes in the world. It's called Lake Atalan. And around it are volcanoes, not active volcanoes. Right, right. Um, and just, you know, the loving people of the Mayan community. And, uh, you know, the people who are there to work on themselves or just to um, spread love, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I really felt that. Um, and I, I didn't, I stayed sober from alcohol, but I right. didn't stay sober from weed or, right. or right. like um, medicinal mushrooms. Right, you know? sure. But it wasn't, it was more of a perspective change, right? It was more of that as long as I don't ru- keep running from this pain yeah. and, and I stay in the present moment, that, that will just change everything. Yeah. Know? It's more of a healing overall healing thing than like just directed at addiction or alcoholism exactly. or, or whatever. Exactly. Um, healing the, whatever that, the inner pain that's there or finding mm-hmm. a new, new perspective. Like you said, I think that's mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah. And that, that kind of paved the way to where I'm at now, which is total, um, abstinence from um any sort of uh, drug or um it doesn't even have to be a drug you know any sort of thing where i'm using too much mm-hmm. um, and yeah I, I'm, I'm happy to say i'm completely present in this day <laughs> yeah and um you know 
That that's amazing. That's what it is, and I like how you say that completely present in this day. I know I, when I uh, emailed you about it before to talk about like how long you've been sober or whatever, you said I like I prefer to say like completely present in this day, um, which is true because when you have any of those things, it doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol. Like you said, that take you out of this day, that mm-hmm. make you not present. Obviously, drugs and alcohol do that, mm-hmm. but there's other things too. Uh, social media, whatever it could yeah. be, anything, right? Oh, yeah. um, or just negative thoughts in general. Mm-hmm. So being completely mm-hmm. present in this day, I think is, is pretty awesome, man. So um, that's such a great story. And I think it's really great to have it here. One, I'm really happy for you, man. Congratulations Thank on finding you. this. Like I can see like the, the like the peace in in your face, you know, like oh, yeah. you're just like, I don't see any inner pain in there. And I, th- <laughs> I think, you know, it's still there, right? But at least you're <laughs> dealing, you know, dealing with it and you just seem comfortable and relaxed and, and I think people need to realize too that um, drinking and drug use, it, it's a, and addiction and alcoholism, it's a spectrum. Um, and people get there in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And it's not all exactly the same that all, and, and, and the healing and recovery process is different, can be different for everybody. Totally. And there isn't a one solution fits off. There was those rehabs would be making a lot more money and, and people wouldn't be coming back six, seven, eight times. Like most of us, uh, exactly. because it's not for everybody. And sometimes you do it. It, it works. Like, so for me, I had to go a couple of times, but it's, it worked. And that's part of what works for me. Uh, doing this, talking to you is part of what works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting out, getting into nature is a huge, a huge, huge part of recovery for a lot of people. And it was for you. And then being just in a new community and getting a new perspective. So I think that's awesome. And I'm really glad that you came here to, to, uh, to share that, um, with us. And, and I think people will, will learn from that. Appreciate that, brother. Um, all right, before you go, let's finish with some gratitude. That's a positive thing. Oh, so, um, I'll just lead us off right now. It's, it's, it doesn't quite feel like in Chicago, but it is spring and, uh, baseball season starts next week. So opening day oh, yeah. next week, my White Sox will get going. So that's what I was thinking about today. Beautiful, how about you? How about you? I am, I am thankful for, um, you know, the family and, and, and friends and, and people that I maybe haven't connected with in a while. I am thankful that they are, I'm thankful and grateful that they have, you know, in an unconditional love approach, right? They may have not seen me for years. They may not even know the new me, right? But they're still open to learning about me, right. or, or um, open to listening to, uh, opening to, um, yeah, <laughs> open to you, yeah, right? Yeah. That they're still welcome and open to you and and hearing about your journey. And I think that's that's a big deal. And, you know, the longer I've been talking about my journey, the more I realize how open and willing people are to listen. And they're not as, especially people who knew us our whole lives, you know, or or for most of our lives, they're going to be there for us. They want to hear and they want us to be happy. Right. Mm -hmm. All right, man. That's just about do it. Thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Jay. First of all, thanks again to Ryan for coming on the show today and for being so open and honest about his experience. 
Uh, also, he brought me a sandwich, a really nice brisket sandwich. So uh, extra thanks to Ryan for bringing me a sandwich right here in the Between the Lines Recovery Studio. So if you too um, enjoyed what you heard or learned something like I did today, um, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Amazon Music or iHeartRadio, blah, blah, blah. And again, click the support the podcast link if you have a few extra bucks in the budget and you're feeling generous today. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns that you'd like to share with me about the podcast or about my book, or if you'd like to be a future guest on the podcast, please feel free to drop me a note at between the lines memoir at gmail.com. Or you can just spread the word. Tell a friend if you have one. Or if you don't, go tell a whole bunch of strangers. Maybe on social media. That seems to work for people. Most of all, thanks for listening today. And in the wise, wise words of my Uncle Dave, keep it simple, be humble, and hope for the best. See ya.